Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Couple pump fakes, leads it, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh! Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Holland, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, uh, NBA TV, TNT. If you have a TV, you can probably see Ryan on it. And you can also follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. All right. So, you and I have not had an opportunity to talk about the weekend, but I have to say, and I don't know that we're going to spend a lot of time on it because it's well in our rearview mirror, Ryan Hollins. You were on the money with just about everything. You called the Rockets losing game six, or rather the Warriors winning it. You called the Blazers going into Denver and winning uh, and winning game seven. And you called the Raptors winning game seven at home. So congratulations on all that. Not only did you call it, but your explanation as to why it would happen was spot on. Well done, my friend. You, you know what? I appreciate that from you, my man, because a, a lot of people don't like to give Ryan Hollins credit, or maybe that's just Milwaukee fans. And I guess the only thing I guess I would kind of have missed on, like kind of, Kyle Lowry, the X Factor, went off because he was much needed. Uh, mm. he, he's effective now as we talk about the game that just happened, Milwaukee and Toronto. Right. Uh but I'm still right on par. I, I still like even more what I saw from Toronto. And I felt like Milwaukee did what they were supposed to do. And they got an out-of-body performance out of Brooke Lopez. Not that Brooke can't ball, but Rick, Rick, we just hadn't seen that in a while. Yeah, uh, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 4 for 11 from three-point range. I mean, just imagine, just think, yeah, let's go five, six years ago, and you told somebody that Brooke Lopez took 11 threes. They would have said, 
what was it a blowout what was it practice like what, what was it was it bigs no. against smalls in in a in a practice game like how is it that brook lopez was taking a uh 11 uh, 11 three pointers but nonetheless he did that was the most by anybody in the game again extraordinary but he's shooting it well from that range and if there is a concern that I have, and I've had it for a while, I had it in the Philly series as well, is that, and maybe maybe I'm my expectations are wrong. I need I need more out of Marcus All. Am I going to get more out of Marcus All? And do you think they need more out of Marcus All in order for the the Raptors to win this series? It's, it's crazy, Rick, how much alike we think. Obviously, our picks differ at times, but we, we pretty much see the same thing. So the one thing that worked in Boston's favor in, in terms of Brooke Lopez is they went small. And he, Horford kind of counts as a small because he will make you pay every time uh, from the three-point line. And he's able to switch out one through five, which Lopez struggles to do. Now, with Mark on the floor, Lopez can hang in the game, and he's actually what makes Milwaukee extremely effective. Mm -hmm. He's tall enough to wall up. Giannis now runs free with Lopez on the floor, and then he spaces out and shoots threes. And this may be a deal where Toronto's really missing OG and Anubi because that would be the fifth piece of their small lineup that can go out and switch uh, all plays. Rick, I don't know if there's a, a timetable for him getting back. I'm not up to speed on that, but yeah. you almost need Brooke Lopez off the floor. But in, in hindsight, if you're Toronto, you say it frees up Kyle Lowry, who's not as good one-on-one, but better in a team aspect, in which why he was able to thrive tonight. This is what also surprises me a little bit in the big picture. And this isn't news, but when I think about it, what was the reason that Nick Nurse got the job? Change. Change, and he was supposed to be the offensive guru. He was supposed to be the guy who solved the problems when Toronto got stuck in the mud offensively. He was supposed to be the creative genius. I'm not seeing enough of that. If there's one concern I have, and I had the Raptors, I actually had the Celtics going to the finals, but once they were out, the Raptors were my next choice. And and I, all along I said they were my next choice that they get so predictable at times offensively. And sure, they have, you know, Kawhi Leonard and playoff games often come down to that, but I'd like them I'd like to see them get easier baskets from some of their sets as opposed to Pascal Siakam just overwhelming somebody or Kawhi Leonard bullying somebody. I just feel at times like they get a little stagnant, a little stuck. They don't get a whole lot of, of off their action. And that's not what I expected from this Nick Nurse team. So I don't know whether I'm being unrealistic because of the talent or whether, and maybe that's it. You can't, you, offensive genius only goes so far um, if you don't have the, the, the players that could execute what you want to do. You know, Rick, it, it just goes to show it's a personnel deal. Somebody's got to go. At the end of the day, when you have a player like Kawhi Leonard, you give him the basketball and you play through him. Why? He's got the one-on-one advantage every time he's got the basketball where I wouldn't say he's playmaking for others. No, he's not. But he is, he is willing. Once he sees a double team, he just passes. He is. He just passes it off. It's not like he forces into it. But he's he, – Rick, I, I, feel me on this. He's definitely not playmaking, right? Right. Because he doesn't do things on the move. 
and draw the double team or draw just the attention and then see the opening and make the slip pass or make that easy pass. He's going until that one-on-one, he's either stopped, in which most cases he's not. He's going to go until that double comes. And then once it comes and it's hard, now he'll, he'll swing the ball. I think he swings the ball more than he creates a shot off of the double. And to me, that's not playmaking. That's just that's giving up the ball once you've drawn the double, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. He's definitely not looking for others, but he's not just forcing up. You know, he had one player control foul, and, and that was about it. But, it, I mean, he's, he's, he's playing good basketball, but to your original point, there's nothing different that Nick Nurse is doing that anybody else couldn't. And unfortunately, it was just, well, DeMar, you're out. You couldn't get it done. And Casey, you're out too. Coach of the year. Sorry. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, that, 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 their predictability. And the other part is I need Danny Green to start making open shots. I need Danny Green to hit some clutch threes. He has been good when the team is rolling, but he's going to get looks. And I'll be honest, I didn't see all of the game. I listened, I had to run around with the kids, so I was listening to a good part of the game. So it's hard for me to gauge just how open Danny was consistently throughout the game. But one for four from three-point range, one for five overall from him with the way this game is going to be played, I need him to knock down shots. I need him to not hesitate on the three, and I need him knocking them down. And I just, I through the playoffs... He hasn't delivered to the level that I would have expected him to at this point. Yeah, Danny was really good defensively, and, and that's what gave his team a shot. Yep. But uh, I, I agree. It, it's funny. I, Rick, I swear you're reading on mine. He's got to fly around the horn just searching three-point shots. Mm-hmm. In transition, he's got to be there every single time. And it, it does hurt because Kawhi's going to pass after he's doubled. Like, okay, I'm caught now kicking off. Versus hitting you in stride, and that's what Danny's used to. But he's going to have to find a way to be effective. And this was Kyle Lowry's best game in the playoffs. I don't want to say that we've ever seen. I'm sure he's had a decent game before, but uh, in in a while. So he's got to be the effective guy. But you're right. Kyle Lowry is not a – he's a shoot first, pass second, and obviously Kawhi is the same thing too. And Danny Green is being hurt by it. But he – he had a few looks, Rick, yep. that I, I'm sure you saw that could have blown this thing wide open. Yep, yep, exactly. And if I look at his last three games, he was 2-for-8 in Game 6. He was 0-for-1 in Game 7 against Philadelphia. And 1-for-4, obviously, in this last game. I just I need more than that out of Danny Green. He's, he has to make them yep. pay and force them to space it. And you're right. Defensively, I mean, this is where... I think Toronto is going to like this is this is a new element for Milwaukee because Toronto's presenting man-to-man defense enough one-on-one defenders to the level that the Bucks have not seen to the playoffs to in, in so far between Danny Green, Kawhi, Siakam like they they're not going to be able they're not going to get the same three-point looks that they've had, which is why the Bucks collectively shot 25% from three-point range. And I think, they, I think they damn near took 
uh, 50 of them, if I'm not mistaken, 44. They were 11 for 44. Now, sometimes you'd look at that and say, well, they were better all year long. They'll be better than that. I'm not so sure. I think that I think the Raptors can make this very hard on them from range. And if you take you take Brooke Lopez out of the equation, then it really starts to look bad. Yeah, the the one thing that the Raptors do that Boston didn't and I thought they would be better at is physically they match up and Kawhi hadn't even had to go over and guard uh Giannis yet. But the one thing I I like is that they're committing one to the ball. Boston got bullied so bad that Giannis got straight line drives, yep. and they were they were having to put three and four guys on the ball. And what they're doing is they're playing in the paint and they're flying out on Brook Lopez. They're flying out on Bledsoe. They're they're staying home on Middleton, but they're flying out at the rest of those guys on Brogdon also and saying, "Well, you got to beat us, and that's how we'll lose if you hit this contested three hair on fire closeout will lose the game and defensively they did enough now they just didn't finish in that fourth quarter and you hate to put it in the hands of the referees but there are two drives in which Danny Green got ripped but I, it was clearly a blocking foul right the ref should have called it it just looked weird and then Kawhi drove but I think they, they were down four at the time it ends up being a no call but in a game like that that comes back and hurts you so uh, I, I think you keep the same mold, but yes, you've got to be more efficient, efficient offensively. Because Rick could have been twenty points, right? Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, Zach Zarba was the crew chief on this one. He was also the crew chief in Game One, where we had a really uh, for the Rockets Warriors, where we had a really uneven first half. That then everybody got up in arms about how the second half was. To me, the miscarriage was how they how they officiated the first half. I I worked. I saw Zach Zarba come into the league. I worked with him as a G League ref, and I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan. I think he's really good, but he's but he's been the crew chief on two games now that I looked at and said, man, these are not up to standard. Now, obviously, these aren't the only two games he's officiated. I think he's been he's been good otherwise. Um, and I just like his demeanor. I, he will—he doesn't lose his mind. He will talk to guys. He's firm but not contentious. Uh, I, I, he's approachable. I like the way he approaches uh, the the way he does his job. But this was another game. Again, having seen part, having heard part, there were some some questionable calls that I felt like tilted this game at some pivotal points. And you just you hate to see that in any playoff game of this magnitude. Yeah, I, I I thought it was really good, but you know, you, as a, as a referee, you want to leave it in the hands of the players. But those plays were pretty influential. Yeah, you know, Lopez had his hand in the cookie jar on Kawhi. That's supposed to be a call, and I mean, Middleton just ran into <laughs> Danny <laughs> Green. You know, that was a tough one, and it wasn't just a turnover. Uh, it was it was a layup. But right. hey, hats off Milwaukee. Ultimately, Rick. They did what they're supposed to do. They defended home court. Yes, yes. So coming out of this, um, can this is my big question: can, can Kyle Lowry replicate what he did? Is there reason to believe that, boy, they wasted a great performance by Kyle Lowry? Or to you, is this a signal Kyle Lowry could have a series? So let me break this down. When Brooke Lopez is on the floor, they play more traditional coverage. The big is going to drop or show. And Kyle Lowry doesn't get in positions where 
he's got guys switching out on him. And when guys switch out, that's saying, beat me one-on-one. One-on-one, you go score. Kyle really struggles to do that. But if you allow Kyle to play in space, he's a good enough shooter. He's crafty enough where he'll find ways to score the basketball. So right now, if Brooke Lopez is on the floor to match up with Marcus Gasol, that helps Kyle Lowry. But as you pointed out, Mark Gasol has to do something. Mark Gasol is playing in between. What do I mean? He's not rolling and he's not mm-hmm. popping. And right now he's a three-point shooter. So if you're Mark Gasol, he's got to commit to popping back to the three-point line every time because they're, they're getting nothing out of those out of his pick and rolls right now because Milwaukee is so long they're able to recover. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to have to get uh, – look, I, don't, I have no problem with him taking seven threes. In fact – he may have yeah. to take a couple more. Rick Lopez does it. Yep. But he's going to have to take them like he means it. Like <laughs> that they're going down. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, there's times where it, it feels like he's taking it because he feels like I'm, I'm, I, I'm supposed to, as opposed yes. to I want to. Uh, hey, and, I, I so agree. I so agree. So, uh, and I, to me, that is we, as we all know, confidence and demeanor have a huge influence on, on shooters in particular and people's game in general. All right. I don't want to ignore the other series, even though I think you called the Blazers a JV team, if I'm not mistaken. You called yeah, them a JV uh, team. Yeah, JV. Boy, that's yeah. cold. This is the one <laughs> this is the one thing that I will say as I, I was at game one and watching it is that the Blazers got so much at the rim. They missed so many chippies and easy plays at the rim. A lot of it was Ennis Cantor. I believe we may see more of Zach Collins than Ennis Cantor throughout this series because Cantor, to me, played like a guy who was intimidated by Draymond Green to a full extent and to Andrew Bogut by a lesser extent. And I just I can't afford that in this game. But I thought... And again, maybe I'm I'm trying to see a the potential for a series when there's not. If the Blazers can clean up their perimeter defense, they're getting everything that they want inside. If they continue to do that and pound the boards, my feeling is is that they could make this competitive. Well, that's their only way, but Rick right now there's so many holes in that Blazers defense it's it's ridiculous i almost want to tell you that golden state didn't play well and and won it was that yeah. glaring yeah there are a lot of missed opportunities and those are guys that that wasn't even steph's best shooting night you know he missed a, a couple of them so let me put it like this if you can't switch out on him you're toast you're cooked you, you are barbecue chicken yeah and then if you have to double team him he passed your, your only defense it's about five guys out there who can switch, and you switch the screens. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the only way. And Enos Cantor, if he's going to – he better score four to every three that Steph Curry scores if he's on the floor. Fair enough. He does have to exploit his matchups. Enos Cantor should be scoring on Kevon Looney. He should be putting him under the rim. If that doesn't happen, then I have to play somebody else. And that's, not, that's no offense to Kevon Looney, who I think has been – has had a great playoff run. I think he was instrumental against the Rockets – and certainly has continued that into this series. But if you're Ennis Canner and you have that size and offensively you have what we think you have, then you need to be more aggressive. And he just he looked like a guy when he got when he got picked by Draymond, couldn't move Draymond and then got picked. 
I just I saw some life go out of Ennis Canner, and I can't have him losing uh, his aggression if I am if I am the Blazers. I the the problem that I had. I mean, obviously, people were questioning the schematics when it came to the Blazers' defense, but at one point, Clay Thompson was the only threat on the floor, and they could not stay with him. They could not. He got two wide open threes. He was the only guy that you had to worry about from range or basically from anywhere. And that to me, I don't know whether you want to blame fatigue. Uh, to me, that that's just, you're not dialed into the level that you need to be when it comes to the Warriors and how well they shoot from range. And I have to believe, I have to believe with the pride that the Blazers have that they will fix that, that they're not going to play the same defense the rest of this series. Is is there something that you see where you say, you know what, this they just have a fatal flaw. They're not they're not going to be able to get over those screens or their bigs. Like I, that's why I like Zach because I think he's agile enough and long enough and and just he's got a nasty streak to him. I can see him stepping out and and giving the guard coming over the screen a little more time to recover than I saw with Ennis. Talk about no man's land. Canner for me was not close enough to rotate down or out. He was constantly in the middle looking lost. I want to take this time right now to call out Cantor and Dame Lillard. Cantor, you're not a good pick and roll defender. (laughs) You played against Russell Westbrook with reluctant shooters on the wing. So if he didn't if he didn't notice, he wants to talk about how good he was in pick. Well, you had two guys zoning up behind you, which means they're not guarding your man. They're just making sure you don't get burnt, bro. They're making sure you don't look like toast. And every time Russell Westbrook went to turn the corner, he was looking at four and five guys in the paint. Now this is your time to show how elite you are in the pick and roll, and he's not. Secondly, Damian Lillard, hmm. you cannot wait until someone calls you out tells you they've been busting your butt your entire career, and it becomes personal. You've got to find ways to make things personal for yourself. Now, granted, this is the JV team. The Blazers are going to lose this series. They're just hoping they don't get swept. They need to save face at home and win game three, possibly game four. You know, make it look decent. That's what they've got to do. But, Rick, ultimately, ultimately, if you're you're Damian Lillard, bro, you got you got to die trying, bro. You you got to and he stunk it up in game 7 against the Nuggets. Mm. He's got to be motivated and he doesn't even look the same. Then I know they've thrown some traps at him. They're staying on his body. Yeah. They're not helping. Well, guess what? Steph Curry gets trapped all the time. Steph Curry gets face guarded all the time and he moves without the basketball. He finds ways to get open, Rick. You know what? It was it was the way the Warriors did it though was clever because it wasn't a hard trap. They almost zoned up at 25, 30 feet where they didn't give Lillard a clean look. Like if it's a hard trap, then he knows I'm either swinging or I'm going to try to split it. He knows what to do. They just kind of clouded it where you want to hoist from 30 feet? Go ahead. Let's see if you can live off of that. Let's see if your team can live off of that. I believe what Lillard is going through because I don't, I don't believe. I mean, if, if he needs motivation then this is a brand new Damian Lillard because he has had a chip on his shoulder 
since before he went to Weber State. He's had a chip on his shoulder since he was playing for the Oakland Rebels and uh, and they were going up against the Oakland Soldiers. So I don't believe that it's he's waiting for somebody to get him going as much as it is he's trying to utilize what he has around him. He's trying to give C.J. McCollum a chance to breathe. He's got Rodney Hood, uh, some of the other pieces that he has, and how do I navigate this? Because let's face it, for all that Damian has done, this is being in the conference finals, going this long into the playoffs, this is new territory for him. This is brand new being around. A game seven, brand new as the alpha on a team. So I may, it may sound like I'm giving alibis, but I feel as if for what I know about Lillard, it's not a lack of you know, uh, motivation. It's He's trying to figure it out. And because when you start thinking and trying to figure it out, now you 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 tend to have a very uh, you have a much more passive look than you're not you normally motivated do. then. You you thinking when you motivated ain't nothing to think. When Russell Westbrook talked crazy to him, he was like, I don't give a darn what the coverage is. I'm about to beat it. I don't give a darn what the look, you could double, triple, quadruple, go under, over, switch it. I'm gonna beat the coverage. Right. And he did. That's not the same dude, Rick. Ain't nothing to think about. The okay. motivation is in question. Okay, here, let's slow just a little bit. I mean, the difference between doing that against Oklahoma City and doing it against the Warriors defensively and what they can throw at him, there's a difference there. He's trying to figure out this puzzle. Look, if he plays this way in game two, then I'll go along with your premise. But to me, it's 48 hours after the Game 7. It's a brand new team that they really didn't have time to game plan for and that is giving them different looks than they've had the better part of the season because now the depth at which he's playing, and I'm not saying different looks defensively and different looks offensively. I I think there's a lot there for him to figure out. I'm going to give him one game. If it doesn't change Game 2 then I'll give you a, a Mia Culpa. Is, I was wrong. This is the same guy who said he's overlooked. What do I have to do to get my credit? Right. You're the same person who asked me and said, you know, 90% of NBA players took a survey and said he's the most slept on. Like, yo, here's your time, bro. Because I was the guy who was saying, you're not that dude. There's no rings on your fingers. I haven't seen it in the playoffs. Now, granted, he stepped up a notch. He yep. stepped up. You don't put up 50 points in an elimination, elimination game with the, arguably the greatest buzzer beater elimination shot that we have ever seen, ever, mm-hmm. okay, without getting credit. But come on, Rick. Come on, Rick. This isn't a guy who's been chilling. This is a guy who's been screaming, yo, here I am. Why am I overlooked? Well, why me? Everyone go, oh, man, well, he slept on it. You're here now, bro. Yeah, the, the, his complaints about that, though, were years ago. Because he said to me, it was probably about two years ago, he said to me, you know, maybe this 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 is just the way it's supposed to be for me. Because I asked him, I said, you're not, you're not parading it the same way. You're not, you're not, you're not talking about it the same way. And he said, kind of accepted, maybe this is just the way it's supposed to be. And, and so I'm going to stop complaining about it. And again, I pointed it out when he hit the, th- the, the difference between the, the two buzzer beating shots, the game winning shots. The first one that he hit against Houston, 
he was popping his jersey and it was all about, look at me. That was the Damian Lillard that was saying, are you going to respect me? Are you going to recognize me now? And this time, it was just a wave goodbye and on to the next one. It was, and even when he was mobbed by his teammates, it was looking in the camera like, I don't have to say anything anymore. Now you know. I feel as if he's trying to now figure out, okay, so what's the between game now against the Warriors? Because I do believe for them to have a chance, he's going to have to be more aggressive. They're, they collectively, Quinn Cook can't be allowed to play. Jonas Jarepko can't be allowed to play. You have to force the Warriors to go with a shorter rotation. Because if they can live with McKinney and Jarepko and Quinn Cook getting double-digit minutes, and you can keep the rest of those guys fresh, you can give Andre, you can keep Andre Iguodala fresh for the last five minutes of the game, then as much as I didn't think the Warriors were going to three-peat this year, it is lining up for them to three-peat. What are you playing? Oh, what are you smelling the coffee What are you watching? No, no, no. What did you just play just now? What were you watching? By the way, for anybody who is just tuning in. I got to see how. Larry scored 30 points. No, no, no. You're smelling the coffee now. Ryan is the ultimate multitasker. So what were you just watching? What were you just watching? I got to watch it, man. What are you watching? But Kyle Lowry scored 30 points. Can I see this again? This is worth a double take. What are you getting the whole 30? Like a solar eclipse. <laughs> but by the way, um, he was seven for nine from three point range. Talk about that. solar what did eclipses. You just say, what did you just say? Golden State's going to do it again? No, and I didn't say they were going to do it. Oh, said, oh yo. You I said I can see it play. happening now where I did not expect it to happen. They still got to get through the East. I look, bro, listen, I still bro, said, it, I still said, Rick. let me see what condition they're in when they get to the finals. Rick. I, Yes. They're that good. Remember this. Remember I said this. They're pretty this is the only team in history you've ever seen that's that good that messes around with the game of basketball and gets away Boy, with and it. They still do. They mess they around do. with the game and they get away with it. Look, yo, Steph Curry was Steph on the Curry threw, break. Steph Curry threw a behind-the-back pass <laughs> into the stands. Yes, that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> and it, I <laughs> – Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But you, hey, you know what, though, Rick? When he did that, I'm like, yo, are you – Freaking kidding me. Are you kidding me, bro? But at the same time, it was like they're kind of feeling good again. They want to clown. They want to sh- – like, yes. yeah, I don't know. Katie, the, the Grinch that stole Golden State, like, I don't know. Like, they, 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 I haven't seen that in a while. It is – boy, and that's just – that's the dilemma for the Warriors. Anybody out there who thinks that the Warriors are better without KD, I can't possibly go there. But there is, when you have KD, you want to play. You, the ISO is hard to pass up because he can get a shot against anybody. But it does, it does take the Warriors out of what makes them fun and makes them feel good. And so they've always been trying to strike that balance. And when they strike the balance, forget about it. There's, you know, they're, they're sweeping Cleveland out of the finals. But it can be hard to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Strike that balance. You know, because KD's natural scorer. Not, an, not a natural playmaker. He's not, it's not in his DNA to look for, for Clay Thompson. Wait, By the way, answer. Yeah. Let me give you an answer, bro. The answer is yes. What? You know what I'm talking about, right? Are what? they good without Kevin Durant? Yes. Yes. Are they good with him? Yes. 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 When does it when does it come to hurt you? If LeBron James is on the other side, if Giannis is on the other side, if Kawhi's on the other side, and you don't have that that superhuman to just go get you a bucket because they do. Right. That's when it hurts you. That's a very see, good point. That's LeBron a really James, good that's a real that is such bro, a good point. That is that is the part that KD gives you, which is he's he's the he's the fire axe in the glass case. Bro, when, LeBron James looks like like an alpha, like a man child against Golden State, and then KD's out there, and it's like, oh, no, yeah. we got one for you. <laughs> <laughs> we got one too. <laughs> it's really true, and that's why you know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, I mean. You know, everybody's kind of joined the bandwagon now in terms of KD being out. And I continue to hear it doesn't matter what they do. They can three-peat. KD ain't coming back. But it gives you an indication of exactly why the Warriors needed KD and why he was the finals MVP. Because for as good as Steph is, and I think that Steph is, I think you can say Steph is the most valuable player on that team while acknowledging that KD is the best player on that team because of all of the unselfish things that Steph does that sets the tone for that team. Nonetheless, anybody who thinks that the Warriors would, have, would, would be three-peating without KD are out of their absolute freaking minds. They would not have two championships, and be on track to win a third if Kevin Durant had never come to the Golden State Warriors. I disagree, Rick, because that money would have been spent otherwise. You act like it just would have been a naked slot. Maybe that's two serviceable, you know, 3 and D guys in that in that situation. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 don't, I don't fully agree with that statement, Rick. I, I, I do not. I think what you what people have really undermined, and especially guys like you with red hair and great voices. Who are you relating <laughs> me to then? Who else is in that circle? There's actually there's you're with you're part of the majority that feels like Steph Curry can't play ball anymore since KD came, and people have just kind of say oh, that. Not never the, said that. He's not the same guy. Don't he's put kinda, those words on create. me. He's not the guy. KD puts them over it. Like no. Steph is still that guy. He's just sacrificed his game. And whether he wants to admit it or not, he's better with the basketball in his hands. He's still effective, but his impact is much, much larger while it's with him and staying with him. But he's willing to get off the ball to make other guys happy. And just in the reality, like you said, if I'm KD, I'm not passing the ball either, bro. Like, I'm not mad at that, but the Warriors. Clay, listen, Clay is a catch and shoot guy, right? Right. Iggy is catch and shoot or catch and drive, put it on the deck. 
Durant, catch, survey, pivot, jab. Right. He's got to take a good look at it, you know, and that changes everything. Draymond Green, he's a quick swing and go DHO, go pick and roll. Kevin Durant is a he, he's somewhat no he's a he's I don't want to say ball stop I've seen ball stoppers bro right but for Golden State he's a ball stopper yep no I agree and I'm not saying that I don't think Steph is hurt by KD as much as Clay is hurt Clay sure. is 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 a, is one rung down and he just it's harder for him to get into a rhythm that's where like, that's who's affected the most and that's why I think ready to go bro what's that. <laughs> Clay is like to the point, like, hey, yo, like, hey, enough is enough. Man. Yeah, no, no. So here's <laughs> the, I mean, enough, no. here's the reality: if they max Clay, and by all accounts, Joe Lacob, the owner, has indicated that he's going to max Clay. That's a signal as much as anything, because you're not KD's not taking a discount, not to stay, and mm-hmm. you can't you, literally you, you max so three guys. Well, why can't you? You, tr- you just got to make some trades. I mean, I think that's, you know, buy Eagle Dollar, buy it's not, Livingston, buy it's not, it's not a couple of those it's other not, guys. It's not happening. It's not happening. I, I think Clay put his, put his, his, basically his stake in the ground and said, you want me? The max is a, is, is a, is a camouflage for, you got to pick one of us. See, I, I, I always felt like, and, and in harmony with what you're saying, Clay put out the max deal. If July first, that's free agency, they play around. Yeah, Clay is going to be gone because that offer sheet from the Clippers is going to be on the table. The offer sheet from the Lakers is going to be on the table. From the Nets, from the Knicks, it's going to be on the at July first. Here, Clay, we want you now. And right. if there's a bit of hesitation, he could be gone. Right. And if you're Golden State, you're in this situation. Do I? Chase the really hot girl yeah. versus the really good looking girl, but you know, she cooks and cleans, but that other she's really hot. She's not all the way into me, but we could make it work. But see, we could make it work. So there's a couple things here. Number one, I just the the fit between Clay and Steph is so good. Cause Clay is he has size, he'll defend. He can catch and shoot. Like he can do so many things. That's such a great compliment to Steph. Uh, the just the sentimental aspect of these guys have come up together and they've done what they've done. I just I, I if you're asking me just in terms of pure talent, if I could keep KD or I keep Clay, I have to keep KD. Let me, if tell, it's, you, let me tell you something. Though. Let me tell you something. Hmm. Golden State. They are two feet in on Kevin Durant. And the problem is they're going to chase him. They're not ready to walk away from KD. KD may be ready to walk away. He may be playing games. They aren't re- I hear you. Mm-hmm. My logic says Clay, but this is a situation where, yo, we need it now. Well, and if there's hesitation, things could shake up. And Golden State has given no indicator, even you and I see the logic, where they say, I'm two feet in on on Clay and, and KD, you're going to have to walk. Well, I don't know that they've said that about KD, but Lacob has made an indication that he, I mean, he said, he said, he wants the Splash Brothers to be together forever. So if you want to guarantee that you're going to have that, then you have to know, as you know, 
what you have to do. You can't you can't hesitate, you can't stutter, you can't pause when it comes to July 30th. Now it's July 30th. I love the fact that they moved the deadline up. Mm. So, and and look, it's for TV. I like that for us. <laughs> it's for TV, it's for so you don't you're not waiting until, you know, 9 p.m. because it's midnight uh East Coast time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh you're not waiting until then to find out you know who's calling who, who's the first call, all that stuff. Oh, but it's good for us. Yeah, but the funny thing is that I mean this stuff has already been discussed at the draft combine, if not earlier. A lot of this, these machinations, a lot of the numbers have been exchanged months in advance. People know, you mean maybe not exchanged, but they've been discussed. People know where everybody stands. It, it, you can't build a team. You can't utilize your free agent money unless you know. The teams that play it straight, like Mitch Kupchak for a long time with the Lakers, you're playing from behind. That's why they were ended up, they were they kept getting left at the altar. Because they were following the rules. You can't follow the rules anymore. And I'm just tickled. I I feel as if the NBA did this to try to give the sense that, hey, we want to allow people to have these conversations, you know. Uh, officially and not unofficially, but it was really, it was just a play for TV. It, and it's a guise to make it look like we're trying to keep things above board. Tampering, illegal conversations based on the rules, those happen all the time and they're going to continue to happen all the time. That's what tickled me about this announcement. You know what, Rick? There, there's nothing that tells me that this that there's not going to be absolute fireworks at the deadline. There's nothing that tells me. And, and, and you know, if, if I'm buying and I'm reading what you're saying to me and we're, we're thinking of like the only question mark right now that we have left, left in the NBA playing wise is Toronto or Milwaukee. That's the only uncertain. That's the only uncertain. We both agreed. We just watched the NBA finals the Rockets and the Warriors, and, the, and they blew through that because there's no way you miss – you literally miss two All-Stars off your team and you beat the team – was it by 17? Portland lost by, by 17? So pretty much the last real basketball we're going to watch is this Toronto-Milwaukee series, and now the, the fun is going to start, Rick. So I, I just see this free agency – I think it got even spicier, bro. We didn't even talk about the draft lottery. I don't know if you you touched on that yesterday. Yeah. I think this is the best thing ever. My takeaways. It's not the end of the world for, for the Knicks because they need to win now. And I, I don't think R.J. Barrett nor Zion nor, nor maybe Ja Morant is ready to step in and win now. They're going to have to find a gym late in the first round, a guy who can defend and knock down an open three. I would trade off that pick if I'm New York because you got to win now. Mm-hmm. Two, this is the best thing in the world for the Lakers. Why? The Pelicans just got in play to go younger, and they have a great reason to get off of Anthony Davis, the only show in town. They just got a bigger show in Zion Williamson. Three, why is this good for the Lakers? Anthony Davis is in play, and you have to give away even less because you just got the fourth pick. So you package that fourth quick pick. Pick with Ingram, with something spicy. You get Anthony Davis. They rebuild. I mean, heck, maybe you take Drew Holiday back. And now the Lakers are a different squad because they want to go for it now. So I just see a lot of things in play 
that could work for the pros rather than the cons of a lot of these teams the way that draft lottery went down, Rick. Yeah. Well, I do love that Mike Conley's now going to be in play because John Morant's going to go to the Memphis Grizzlies. So somebody's going to yep. pick up yeah. a veteran point wow. guard. He's going yep. to go to a key team that's going to change the dynamic for somebody, whether it's Utah or it's Orlando. Somebody's going to get a guy that's going to lift them. Uh, there is the battle between New York with the number three pick and the Lakers with the number four pick as far as making a deal for Anthony Davis. And I dare say they may not be the only ones who try to get into the AD sweepstakes. So, Whoa. Well, let me, throw, let me sneak this in. Go ahead and finish. But I, I would say Boston is ready to blow, blow that thing up. Yeah, the only, the only hesitation I have there is that AD or his dad has made it clear that he's not going to re-sign there. I don't know if it makes a difference to Danny at this point. True, 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 true. But that's the one hesitation there. But Milwaukee, look at what they've done. You don't think that some mm. of their guys, their value has risen? And Milwaukee was one of those places that was interested in him and supposedly AD was good in, in joining. He's, yeah, he did say that. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, gosh. And I just, I, I, I still have the feeling as if uh, Griff, David Griffin, is is going to move AD. Not that he won't deal with the Lakers, although I will say all those rumors about people not returning Rob Palinka's calls, I got it on fairly good authority that there was at least one team that was definitively said, I'm not dealing with that mofo. And um, that makes me think they may not be the only team that's thinking that way. And that's going to handicap. Mm. That's going to handicap the Lakers in trying to get a deal done because who else is making those calls? Well, here's, the, here's the context. Linda here's Ramos? the context. You're right. Here's the context. Palinka's the only one there. Rob Palinka was Kobe Bryant's agent. Yeah. Essentially, Kobe Bryant, Rob Palinka, hand in hand. Rob Palinka is the guy who will go behind your back and sign your client. There's a code amongst agents. It's kind of like either we're on good terms until you screw me. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Rob Palenka will screw you over, <laughs> okay? And he's done that to numerous guys, signing guys, getting guys to come over as agents have recruited, had clients. Rob Palenka holds no nothing back. Yeah. So now he's created a lot of friends in the industry and now in a situation where he needs favors. Mm-hmm. He needs someone mm-hmm. to be hand-in-hand hand with him. That's not playing out well that he's in a job that is all about relationships. And I wonder, let me throw this to you. What's his relationship back like with Clutch Sports? Because I keep hearing even more from my inner rumblings that the Lakers have this divide with Clutch. And Mm -hmm. there's there's a side that's kind of pro-LeBron. We're with you. You're our guy. Mm Mm-hmm. There's Jeannie Buss who wants to get along with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's a side that's saying, move them. We're not turning into clutch sports. We're not going to be Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers. Right. And he ain't he ain't good enough. We're not signing his guys. We're, we're not doing this. Well, I will tell you that, uh, that Rich Paul insists that his relationship with Jeannie is great. And... I know at one point she was questioning that relationship. I know that. she. I, I agree with you. I think she likes to get along with everyone. If they repaired that, 
And Rich Paul will tell you, there was nothing to repair. It was always good. Uh, don't try to sell me on that. I know better than that. Um, when all this went down with AD and that got ugly, Jeannie Buss was like, what the hell is going on and who's at fault? And at least one point, the the uh, the crosshairs were on Rich Paul and LeBron James for creating the mess. Now, whether he, he just, he's persuaded her, hey, it wasn't me. Um you can see now it wasn't it wasn't me that I didn't I didn't leak this I didn't I didn't do it um, okay maybe but I don't know that there is a relationship between mm. Rob and and Rich Paul I've never heard anybody from Clutch talk about Rob I mean they don't even mention his name and I will say look my relationship my experiences with Rob he never did me dirty he I had a good relationship with him. Mm. But I know plenty of people that say otherwise. That was not their experience. And so, so I don't know how many people are on my side of the fence in terms of what their mm. experience was, but I know there's a healthy number that are on the other side. So I'm going to throw this out to you because I I, I, want, I did dig in. We didn't really talk about this, but I found out a little more about it. And I know you, you've got even better intel than I have of the Lakers willing to – not willing, but exploring trading LeBron James. Mm-hmm. In my understanding that the trade was for Kawhi Leonard. And when I thought about it, I go, no way. You can't. And then I thought about it. I go, well, Toronto needs a guy for three years. You get him locked in. Mm-hmm. You want to shoot your shot at Kawhi Leonard. Maybe you're the first. You learn your lesson from Paul George. You got a shot at him staying. You get a guy who's younger, you kind of clean house from the, I don't want to say the nonsense, but from the clutch sports, which is the the other divide. Right. And was real interesting as I hit LeBron's people, and in, in my mind immediately for LeBron, I said Houston. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to go to Houston. Mm-hmm. You need to get moved to Houston. This is your shot. I'm thinking basketball. Mm-hmm. They said not, not, they shut it down immediately. Not even a chance. Not even a chance. I feel like LeBron James has planted his feet down in Los Angeles. 100%. It's just, I'm here. Yep. I'm not yep. going anywhere. I'm here. But you know what? You guys fight it out right. of who's in power, who you trade, but I'm here. Right. And he's almost gone numb to the basketball where when he was really chasing titles, yep. I need this player, I need this player, and they were going to bat for it. And maybe it's just waiting to like he gets somebody and then he's going to go, now we put the pieces in play. But <laughs> what are you seeing, Rick? LeBron James is now a real estate agent. It's all about location, location, location. Mm. He wants to make the best of this situation as he can. He doesn't want to go out not making the playoffs, not being meaningful. That's not good for his his brand. It's not good for anything. But going to the wall and making it the priority, his priority was being in LA. So going to Philly, going to Houston, I said it for a long time, if it's really still about winning rings, go to Portland because that team's ready-made. The one thing they need is a playmaking three and they're good to go. Uh, but that's not what this is about. It's about being in LA. Now, when it comes to Kawhi Leonard and and the Lakers and the possibility of trading LeBron for Kawhi, I was told that, yes, Kawhi was the target. Kawhi was the guy that they said, let's go, let's go get him, and let's go get him now. 
from what I was told, that call was never made to Toronto. They never went to the point where they contacted Toronto to see if they would do it. They thought about it. They had a guy that they were interested in, but they didn't ultimately pull the trigger. And from what I know about the Raptors, and maybe I've been, you know, maybe this is just convenient to say, the Raptors weren't interested in that because they knew or believed, at least what they told me, is that you got to hand the franchise over to LeBron and Clutch Agency. And they just weren't willing to do that. They weren't willing mm. to do that at this point. They're like, let's roll with Kawhi. Let's see if he stays or goes. But the idea that we would get LeBron instead, you know, they're, they're, I mean, honestly, it's for the same reason that, you know, you and I are talking about he wants to be in LA because of the location and because of things for him and his, and his business. That's what the rest of the league sees. They see a guy that's no longer vested in, I'm just trying to win. They see a compromise there. And they're like, do I really want to bring that into my house and hand over the keys to a guy who's not? If he, if he was, it might be a different thing. You might, like, you might sell your soul. But if he's not all in, then you're selling your soul for what? And that's the question I think that every team is asking itself at this point when it comes to LeBron James. You know, Rick, I got a public services announcement. <laughs> If I'm an NBA player, I got a big name. Go sign with Clutch Sports. Don't listen to the media hype. Don't listen to the negative talk. Don't listen to the the LeBron slander. Mm-hmm. The one thing Rich Paul does, he goes out and he fights for the athlete. He fights for the player. He's greedy for the player. What a lot of agents aren't going to tell you. They got relationships with teams. Mm. They got relationships with GMs. And the one thing they don't want to do over you is ruin their relationship. So there's a level where going to bat for you, frustrating the team, ruining a relationship, they're going to pull back. They're going to pull back. That, that, that was with, you know, he was he, Anthony Davis with, with your squad, Wasserman. He was with your guys over there. And they said, man, we're not ruining our relationship with the Pelicans because guess what? We're going to want to revisit that one day, and we're not going to ruin it over you. Rich Paul said, forget the relationship. Right. I'm public enemy number one. I am pro AD. Whatever we got to do, I'm going to get it done. And if Clutch Sports signs enough guys, these GMs better be – they better beware because the players are coming. Well, I think that this is the key is that, you know, as of right now, Clutch Agency has, for the most part, big-name guys. Ben Simmons, LeBron, AD. They're all, they're all name guys. Either name guys or guys that were already ruffling feathers like Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> mm. The reason that agencies may want to maintain or stay on the good side of teams and will try to massage one situation for another is because they have lesser clients who may live and die by those relationships where it's, I got five different guys who could probably fill this spot. Who am I going to do a favor to among the agents? 
and the agent is able to say, hey, take care of my guy on this and I'll help you out with my other guy. And that's why they compromise in certain situations. I think Rich Paul can continue to go to the wall and he can be a rebel and he can be an antagonist when he has all big name guys because they just carry so much weight. But if he has to start taking care of the little guys, then some of that is going to come back and bite bite him potentially because teams are going to go, now, man, you raked me over the coals on Bledsoe. You raked me over the coals on AD. I, I can't. I'm, well, I'm that's not why, gonna help you. That's why I say the more guys he has planted, the more power you got. But it's the bigger and, guys, and it's and it's and it's almost what I what I be going too wild if I say it's like the dope game. <laughs> would I be too wild if I would, would we have to censor this? Go ahead, Omar. We have to bleep that. We it's just string a bell. Tell me about it. No, but I'm saying the more it, it's the you got to get down and lay down, bro. Either you're with us or against us, and 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 if that power play, these players keep coming over at a at the pace that they're coming, and if you're a GM, you're just gonna you're gonna have to bow down, bro. Yeah. You're gonna have to bow down. And there's this, you know, through the media, through the teams, and oh, we don't want to be clutch. Oh, this is a why because it's a player, it's a player, and it's I don't want to say in his boy, but it's players taking control of their own destiny. And not looking at the teams and saying, we need you. Yeah. We need you. You're not saying that. This is, this is going to be the interesting part, and we'll wrap it up on this. The interesting part for me with Rich Paul and Clutch is mm. when LeBron retires and he's out of the picture. And Draymond Green. What happens with Draymond Green? That's going to be the ultimate test because... Draymond's value, at least for a, <laughs> well, it's now, but it's also, it's greater when you look around the league, at least the GMs that I've talked to, it's greater to the Warriors than it is to anybody else. So how is he going to manipulate that relationship? Is he going to go to the wall? How is he going to handle that? And that, that could be potentially a referendum going forward because I think that's going to take uh, that's going to take a little bit of nuance that's going to take a little bit of you know playing the cards just right in order to do what's best for Draymond and to do what's best for you know I mean ultimately doing what's best for Draymond by having him in the right place and I don't know where that's going to go well look it has to happen now because you're right LeBron's play has has lost energy it he, he he doesn't walk on water anymore uh ben simmons is not the next lebron james either who he has uh and ad kind of ha- really hasn't been in the playoffs hasn't played the the same glow around these guys it's not there now he's not going to be able to sign Giannis. Uh, I don't think. Well, you never know, but uh, you know, I don't think. But it, it, you're gonna have to look at. He's not gonna get a Kawhi. I don't know, if, you know Uncle Dennis. <laughs> Uncle Dennis is. He ain't. He ain't going for that. He's not giving that up. He ain't having two two chefs in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I don't think that's working there. But he's he's gonna have to have that next that next play that next guy. Yeah. Uh, the next guy there, and then the 
you know, the power comes back around. It's the dope game, man. You you got that good? Yep. <laughs> you got the you got the... <laughs> I mean, look at look at his this is really interesting. When you look at Rich Paul's top guys, LeBron James, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, mm-hmm. John Wall, mm-hmm. Draymond wow. Green. Like, and it falls off after that. I mean, money-wise, there's Tristan Thompson, year. Eric Bledsoe, J.R. Smith. This is a big yeah, summer yeah. in terms of you need to make something happen, you know? Because, yeah, you got a Ben Simmons, but his star has fallen. Uh, you have the, the Morris twins. I mean, it's... it's it's One is up, one is down. Yep. It is... It's going to be very interesting to see where Clutch is after this summer. It could be, and who knows? I, I mean, look, I, I I haven't had this conversation yet with Draymond, but I'm fascinated by the fact that he made he made that move. And what people don't realize is how close Draymond and LeBron are. They've just seen the the two compete against each other. But Draymond has said it to me. He goes, "LeBron's family. I mean, they have business yeah, all interests that, together." All that- all that, uh, what do you call it, was for show. I, I saw that coming. Yeah. All yeah. that, like, you know, you know, uh, trolling and all that at the parade. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, all right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins. We've gave, we gave you a double dose. We only gave you a full 60 minutes. Uh, by the way, we are almost there. We need 100 ratings. We're in the 90s. Once we get 100, we will... Uh, have our drawing and give away our bag of prizes. All you have to do is go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just hit the stars and then screenshot that and send it to at Buker Friends and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. In our next podcast, we will be looking at game two and we'll continue to look at, uh, we really haven't broken down the Knicks and where they might go and the wisdom of Kyrie and KD playing together in New York and what they should do and all of that. So we'll continue there as long as, as as well as the other stuff that we're hearing about the fallout from the draft lottery and where we see Mike Connolly potentially landing, uh, D'Angelo Russell. This is going to be exciting, an exciting summer. The transaction league that is the NBA is only going to continue and we will have all the inside dope or as much as we can glean we will have that for you here so uh for ryan for myself as always thanks for listening